Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. You know, when I have a large project at home, sometimes it makes sense to do it by myself. But other times, I actually save money in the long term and have a much better solution if I use an expert. It's really not that much different with church planning. Church planners who focus on building their core team and actually planting the church and partner with portability experts like Portable Church Industries hit the ground running. Yes, you may have to raise more funds up front, but let me tell you something. If I could go back in a time machine and do one thing different in all the churches that I planted, I would go back and have invested that money in Portable Church and all of the super cool kit that they give you to make the volunteers and their lives much, much easier. Trust me, your volunteers will feel invested in, and they're going to give you more of what they got. And that time where people are setting up is going to be a time where it sets the atmosphere for you to thrive. If you're thinking about launching in the next 6 to 36 months, we encourage you to check them out at PortableChurch.com. I'm not only the heckler president, I'm also a client. Welcome, everyone, to the Church Planner Podcast. I am your main host, Pete Mitchell. And Peyton Jones. Secondary host. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of not true. If you didn't listen to last week's podcast, we had a spillover yesterday in our uh, what's called the Band of Brothers call for the Bivo Inner Circle and Jump St- School peeps. We, uh, you know what? I actually got to tell Travis to put that on the Jump School training site. I totally forgot about that. What? I know, but. Uh, we 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 had a spillover because both of us found internet proof for our sides of the argument on was Deckard. We did was Deckard a uh, 
a replicant it's, or not. It's it's kind of been like this moving punch up, you know, like when you're watching a cartoon, there's the big cloud and all the fists and the, the kicks are flying out and stars. And it, it it's traveled throughout the week on the phone calls. It went into the Band of Brothers call, you know. It really went into the Band of Brothers call. We, we took it, some time there. Did, we never do smack talk on the brother band of brothers well, call. We're usually really disciplined. I can't say never. <laughs> no, but you know, normally like it goes for a couple minutes right. and then we rein it in. Right. We went to town. I think like 15, 20 minutes in, we're like, welcome to smack talk light. <laughs> yeah. Or smack talk you pay for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought it was funny that both of us found evidence from the directors themselves. That backed up each of our positions. So I still hold he's a human. In fact, Harrison Ford holds he's a human. I I I can't I can't believe Blade Runner full of contradictions. <laughs> All of this to say, I'm not telling you to run out there and go watch Blade Runner. I thought hey, it was a good movie. I didn't think it was. I think the replicants we just evolved. We we just got here. It just the whole universe just got here on its own. Maybe it was just chance. Maybe that's how we got here. Maybe evolution wrong, replicant right. Oh yeah, dude, totally. The the rep Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I started to like go with it and then I thought, no, there are actually flat earth people there. There are like all these weird wacko theorists like uh, the moon is a defunct alien spaceship, you know, sitting out there, you know. Um, Ooh, wait. And wait, I and wait, I and wait, I just wait, thought, wait, nah, not wait, going to. Wait, unpack that one for me. The moon's not the moon. No, dude. The, the, so I was chatting with my brother this week, and we were we were goofing off like like we do, and uh, we were talking about you know just the conspiracy theories, and I mentioned to him that. Someone I know is really into this flat earth stuff. Like they think we're all just complete morons for not seeing through the giant conspiracy theory. And uh, it's like we're caught in the matrix. And my brother was laughing and he goes, he goes, yeah, man. And my brother's super intelligent. And he goes, I watched that with my wife and I kind of looked at her and said, we know it's full of crap. And he goes, kind of makes sense, huh? <laughs> and, <laughs> and he was just laughing and he goes, and then he got all excited. He goes, oh, my favorite, my favorite favorite conspiracy theory he's like watch the one about the moon being a defunct alien spaceship he goes that one's the best <laughs> wow i kind of like because i was joking around we we were talking about like reptilians and just how fun it is to watch like guys listening to this you can't take any of this stuff serious at all but it's just fun you know I, like I, I don't know what if they're right well right like like this is this this goes back and taps into our primitive superstitions as humans. Well, it was kind of like we were let, joking about. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to be the guy. I, we already know I'm not saved. I'm going to be the guy that just comes out and says it. We kind of do believe that a guy walked the earth, was crucified, and rose from the dead. So I'm just saying. Right. We've right. got the groundwork for the impossible built into us, hardwired right. into us. But the Bible is not a conspiracy theory. And and here's the thing. <laughs> no, I understand that. You don't need <laughs> you don't like, need to go but, through. But what I'm saying, what I'm saying is there are certain what? things. It's like what <laughs> it's like what I argue about the Gnostic gospels. Because uh, my brother and I'll talk, because he's an atheist, and we'll we'll chat and I'll say, here's the thing. You know, the Gnostic Gospels, they're fantastical. 
right? Like you, you, you read same with parts of the Apocrypha. You just, you read it and it's not the same character as the Bible. It, it, it doesn't feel the same. You read the Bible, you sense something when you're reading it. You do. I don't care if you're a Christian or non-Christian. It is different. It has a different quality about it than any other writing in history. Then you read the Gnostic Gospels, and Peter and Simon Magus are flying through the air over Jerusalem, shooting magical powers at each other. And, and the argument that, that I always give to people when I talk is I say, now— you just know reading that someone made that up. But when you're reading the Gospels, even though there's the miraculous, and, and you know, even my brother will give me this, I, I'm like, you can conceive of that. Like, yeah, like, that's not too fantastical. Someone rising from the dead, I can perceive of that. For example, there's a show right now on uh, Amazon, and it's an Amazon original taken from a podcast called Lore. And the, this week's episode coming out is about people that died and then they got buried alive. You know, you know, the old thing where they open up the coffins and they find it scratch and the corpses, you know, obviously they died again, but everyone thought they were dead. Like you can perceive of certain things happening in the Bible, like because things like that do happen. Same with like Jonah getting swallowed. So by let whale. me get this straight. Peyton Jones is saying Jesus didn't actually die. No, he's no, part, I, he's part of the swoon theory. Not. Come on, know, come on! I'm of just, course, I'm just playing with you. <laughs> hey, 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 we got flat earthers listening. Man. I shouldn't be, be the only one to get hate mail. That's all I'm saying. I shouldn't be the only one. <laughs> the flat earthers are listening, and you're scaring them, Pete. They're easily scared, or they wouldn't be believing in these things. But, but what I'm saying is, there is always going to be within humanity, not, not just. Christianity or religious people, there is a, I'm always super suspicious of superstition because superstition is fear-based. And whenever you have a belief system that is fear-based, it's immediately suspect to me. So for example, um, the idea of God, when God presents himself, he does not present himself as a superstition. He right. presents himself as a friend in creation as someone who loves humanity, he presents himself even after the fall as someone who provides and protects him humanity. Even with Cain and Abel, he's trying to prevent Cain from doing that. It, the Bible is not superstitious. God is a covenant-making God. He is not. It is not a um, fear-based, superstitious God. It is not like the mystery religions of of all the other religions around the world. And I guess what I'm getting at is when I see a belief system that is superstitious, I know it's of human origin because we have a primal superstitious nature to us. And I, I just know, I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's not of God because God, perfect love casts out fear. And the way God reveals himself in the scripture isn't fear-based. I mean, let's be honest, Israel just did not fear the, the God of the Bible. You know, he says, hey, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but Human beings just, it's not how we operate, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there are definitely parts in the Old Testament where they feared God. There's no doubt. Well, that, that fear, though, is the health, healthy, reverent, reverential fear. It's not a superstitious fear. Superstition is Okay, that's, that's a good qualifier, superstitious fear. Yeah, it was not a yeah. superstitious fear. Because superstitious yeah. fear is based on the unknown. Right. Like like the mystery religion. When Paul goes, well, let me just come and preach that 
mystery God. You let me reveal him. So in the scripture, it's always God revealing himself. And whereas in, in mystery religions, it's always, we want you to be afraid of what you don't know. And in, in that, that's a way that you harness control over people. If you've got a God who's revealing himself and saying, Hey, and here's, here's a Bible so that you can test what everyone else says to see whether or not, you know, what they're saying is so people can't control you. I mean, that's what the Reformation was. The Reformation was Martin Luther grabbing hold of a revealed truth and really, um, confronting the mystery religion of Catholicism, which it very much was in many ways a, a mystery religion um, in the way that it was being, you know, come to the priest, we'll do everything. You can't know the Bible because it's written in Latin and you can't have it in your language. And Martin Luther's like, no, screw that. You know, I'm going to give the word of God to the people and we're going to know what this says. and We're going to believe for ourselves and our plowboys are going to pray better than the Pope. I mean, that was his, his battle cry. And, you know, so yeah. Anyways, I'm going off on a rant. This is Smack Talk. Welcome, everybody. Where yeah, we got I, serious. Sorry, it won't happen again. We'll, I was we'll just wondering. Ourselves. I was like, did we already transition into the the meat no. of the uh, the podcast episode? No, it's that it's that I'm I'm a little sick and I was a little late on my coffee today. So I've got a big Vinti Starbucks because Daddy Daughter dates Friday morning, and the coffee's fresh and it's kicking in like now. <laughs> I got a bad little- feeling about this. Little salty this morning. That's fine because I woke up hurting, just in pain. Like it's morning. Why must I get up? Yeah. And the only reason I feel why, you. Only reason why I got up is uh, I have to be here for my daughter <laughs> while my <laughs> wife walks my son to school. Oh, I think I shared this on yesterday's podcast or uh, yeah, Banner Brothers call, but I didn't share it on the podcast. So Wednesday, I take my son to church. Uh, they, they got this little kids thing at the, uh, the mothership church. You're already laughing. So funny. <laughs> so, so I take him over there. He's never been there before. Right. <clears throat> and, and so I'm joking around with my pastor shows up. He was like walking me through how to do all the paperwork and stuff. Dude, they got like, they got like iPads to check your kids in. And I go, you don't see this <laughs> at a church plant. And he's like, nope. <laughs> right. And so, um, but it turns out church isn't actually that big. It's only about like four to five hundred people, and I, I thought it was like like refuge Huntington size. Yeah, but it's not. It's, you well, know. He's in the top ten percent in America. Well, but I'm just saying it's not as big as I thought yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I I drop him off and um and then I I pick him up right. So I pick him up at eight o'clock and we're driving back and I'm trying to like have a moment with my son right and I go. So two days a week, I got to walk him to school, Tuesdays and Thursdays, because those are the days that my daughter goes to preschool, so my wife drives her. Otherwise, my wife walks my son to school. So I go, yeah, Tuesdays and Thursdays are my favorite days, because I get to walk with you to school, and we get to talk. And Luke goes, uh, yeah, my favorite days are Fridays, Thursdays. Wait, do you walk me to school on Thursday? Yeah. Okay, then definitely not Thursday. <laughs> change my answer <laughs> and like the next three like so i made him do that in front of jamie and he like doesn't get why we're dying in laughter because he's like he's like fridays wednesdays mondays those are my favorite days <laughs> and i'm like oh man i feel this big right now what do you guys talk about on the way down 
Because I, um, I remember I asked you yesterday, I'm like, is it like dude silence? Like you're just grunting, like, you know, all the way, like Frankenstein, like, mm, you know, that that's dudes do that a lot. Hey, right? like, he needs to learn about dude silence. That's all I'm saying. He needs to learn about that. That's right, man. Train up yeah. your kids in the way that they should go. That's all I'm saying right there. Hey, so, uh, yeah, so I would imagine like, but Star Wars, right? Like Captain America, like. There's endless things to talk about with a boy. You know, I on daddy daughter date today, we talked about cheerleading. I mean, you know, I got a girl and I read a book this week. I actually picked up a book on how to raise girls. Oh, really? I never Yeah, it was kind of it was kind of a worthless book, really. Um <laughs> I, I read it I read it fast. You know, I there's you so know many me, directions. Fast. There's so many directions I could have gone with that statement, but but I decided not to get the hate mail this week. You know, it, it was funny because the the book, I was kind of irritated. Like most, it was given to me. I didn't buy it. It was given to me. And 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 what it was is my neighbor's having a garage sale, and he <laughs> he dropped off a bunch of crap and goes, "Please take this box." <laughs> Looked down, I had kid stuff in it, and I went, "Okay." And I get in the car, and my wife goes, "No, none of that's coming to our house. No." And so uh, most of it went to Liberty School, had like board games. and I, I really um, hope he doesn't listen to our podcast. That's all I'm saying. No, he, I don't, he didn't care. Because I said, well, man, you know, I mean, we're kind of – he goes, I don't care. Please just take it. And you've been – like I've been that guy oh, yeah. at a garage sale. Like, I understand. Please just take this crap. Yeah. So anyways, I take the book and I look through it. And it's like there must have been like a whole chapter on your daughter as a sexual being. And I'm like – Look, I'm a nurse. I know all this stuff, right? Like, like, got a minor in psychology. I, I, I understand. Like, thank you for that. But it, but it wasn't just like your daughter's a sexual being. Like, it was like, okay, sleeping around, VD. And they, the book just assumes that your daughter's going to do drugs. Like, when it talked about the teens, it just, the whole chapter on teens was like when your daughter's hooked on drugs. Um, the, the part family challenges, that chapter was the whole chapter was pretty much it starts off with divorce. And I'm like, man, like, okay, I I, I get that you think I'm a complete moron and that, you know, I'm just going to, like, neglect my children till they're doing drugs and neglect my family till I end in divorce. But, like, could you just write to the rest of us who are, like, still married and maybe our child – I mean, it's a crazy idea and everything, but – Maybe she's not hooked on heroin. Like, you got any advice for me? Or you're pretty much like, no, you don't need this book. <laughs> it's like, you know. Let me tell you how to break her from her heroin addiction. <laughs> so, so anyways, the, the thing it did do that was good, and it was pretty much one, one whole chapter was helpful. And it was just saying, you know, look, your daughter needs to feel special and, you know, your time with her. She'll she'll really develop her self identity by what you think of her as her as her father. It's kind of a weird dynamic, and okay, cool, because she'll measure herself against her mom, but a lot of her identity comes from you as a dad and your responses to her. So I was like, okay, I get that, because you know they talk about like father wounds and stuff like that, but um, did kind of make me want to be more intentional. And sometimes it's hard. I got to be honest, like when your kids are talking about things like that you're not interested in it. You, you have to make that extra effort to, 
to really show interest in things that aren't. I know where you're going because I see you laughing right now. No, I'm laughing because you actually, this conversation reminded me of what started my conversation with Luke about <laughs> the days. But keep going yeah, with go your on. story. No, I'm done, dude, because the more I say, um, the, the, the more, the more I'm tempted to make bad jokes and I'm just going to shut up now. So what started the whole conversation, we've, we've, we've had something that's really bothering me in my house with Luke. <laughs> he keeps saying, Oh, I love money. I love money. Like anytime <laughs> he sees a dollar bill, he sees a five, anything. Oh, I love money. Give me the money. Give me. And I'm like, dude, I know he's getting this from me, but I don't, I mean, he's six years old. I don't want him <laughs> loving money. Like, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil. I'm like, no, no. But I'm like, I don't know how to stop this because it's obviously a train wreck of my making. No doubt. Right. I love it, man. Is he, is he like, does he walk in and like you're bathing in like hundred dollar bills or something? Like. It does, you know, oh, you weren't supposed to see this, son? Or well, like, because like at birthdays, you're always getting cash from somebody, right? And that's going to trigger it. So I got this spot in my car that I keep a bunch of, you know, money because of when whenever I'm out, I usually don't have cash on me. But you know, maybe I need a five spot for a tip, or you know, I need something, right? So I leave cash in the car. <coughs> Excuse me, and um, he must have seen it. Oh, no, no, I know what it was. They gave him, see, it's the church's fault. They gave him a dollar bill, like this church dollar bill, like a, like a vacation Bible school dollar bill. And he's like, yeah, I got money. Right. And so he's all like excited about this. And so I decided to have a teaching moment. <laughs> That's rad. And so I go, I go, well, you know, but, uh, the reason why we make money is so we can give it to others. <laughs> like I'm trying to like instill that in him. Like the whole reason for money is we give it to other people. And he's like, what? <laughs> That's rad. <laughs> like, what you talking about, daddy? <laughs> wait, wait. I no, dad, I don't think you understand how money works. And so that's what started the whole, yeah, um, my favorite days are Fridays, <laughs> Wednesdays, Mondays. Yeah, it was that's rad. My mom never talks to me about my love of money. <laughs> this is rad. You know, it's funny because I had a similar conversation with Liberty last week where I we were at Barnes & Noble and she gets $5 allowance a week because she started doing some cool chores now, which, hey. Let's just say I'm a little bit of a freer man these days. And uh so, well, she's like taking out the trash and this is rad. I'm like, yes, this is, this is pay, payoff, baby. I love you it. know, slave labor, yeah. slave labor. Oh, it, it's, uh, but it's not free. I have to pay. No I'm minimum, not paying wage. minimum wage. You're not doing 15 bucks an hour. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But uh anyway, so she got five bucks and I took it to Barnes and Noble, right? And this was dad, dad's in charge of, of how we spend this week's allowance. So I was trying to teach her because she's like, dad, can I get this? $7. No, you can't get that. We go to the 50% bargain bin at Barnes and all. No, there's nothing good in there. So she, she finds these Harry Potter, um, cause we're reading that book together. She finds this Harry Potter box of jelly beans at the counter and it's $2. Wow. And she's like, Oh, well, I could get this, but what can I get for $3 now? I go, Liv, no, wait, listen, you wanted that thing for $7. You're getting $5 next week. Boom, you got it. Just wait a week. Well, having her learn that you can get something big 
delayed gratification if you wait a week. You could get something small today, but something big next week. Trying to teach her. And she did finally get it, but it was, it was really hard to get her to understand. It was her freedom. She could choose, but it was like this mental block of, no, dad, I want everything I can get today. And so finally she, she just got her jelly beans. But man, I'm telling you, these things were nasty. So in the Harry Potter book, it's these magic jelly beans that taste like either good things or terrible things. So I'm at the counter and I'm paying. And she's already dug into this box. And because I'm distracted, I'm not even thinking, she hands me a jelly bean while I'm at the cash register and goes, here, Dad, try this. And I look down, and they look like jelly bellies, and it looks like the popcorn flavor. It's kind of yellow with speckles on it. I pop it in my mouth. I just about died. What was it? Rotten egg. Oh, oh, gross. And it's a jelly bean. So, like, you pop that thing, and you bite into it, and it's like, mixed with your saliva and spread all over your mouth. It was the foulest thing. So we had very strong words about you can't just pop someone a joke. There was booger flavor. There was, I guess that was rotten egg. That So there's like booger snot. And it's from the book, you know. But, I mean, there was, it was like, I think one is like rotten broccoli or something. I mean, it is really foul. So, but there were good ones too. I got a bad feeling about this. I that's, I, that's rough. It was pretty. It was pretty bad. And uh, it, you know, she uh, she did kind of regret her decision because she didn't know what was what. But um, hey, I do want to say. Um, oh, and there's like a, a decaying fish or something. I mean, that's gross, dude. So hey, um, what uh, what's our topic today? <laughs> You're asking me. <laughs> You're the topic guy. Well, I was kind of, you know, you were, um, you were tweeting the other night and, uh, I, I just thought maybe I don't, we should, talk I don't about tweet. That. I Facebook. Oh, you Facebook posted. Yes. Yes. Tweeting. Yeah. Tweeting's like saying that Pete pirouetted. I just know that phrase from ballet. It's, there's just certain things that you don't put in the, in the, in the, in the sentence with, with Pete. Pete does not pirouette. He does not hug and he does not tweet. I see a children's book coming on. <laughs> Pete does not tweet. So what's today's topic? <laughs> what you read the other night. Because that's what I want to talk about. <laughs> what did you read? It sounded, I mean, I just saw what so you posted about Pete, and it looked like you were reading something phenomenally good. <laughs> just saying. I was like, wow, I really want to talk to Pete about that. <sighs> All right, boys and girls. Great Scott, it's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. So, <clears throat> I was reading a book that I, y- you brought it up, so I got to bring it up. I started a couple of months ago with chapter one. It was good. It didn't make me rush out and read chapter two. That's all I'm saying. It's It's been a couple of months, you know, since I cracked that it's- book open. It's funny you say that because chapter two was like the chapter that almost wasn't. And my editor said, you know, you really need this. And and to be honest, that's the one that I get a lot of comments of when really? people hit chapter two. That's when the rubber really hits the road. Oh, so chapter this is one, your book. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Did so, I jump the gun there? So Wednesday, while I left my... This is the funniest part to me, right? <laughs> so Wednesday, I dropped my son off at church, and I immediately head to the bar. 
Well, after that rough conversation, who wouldn't? No, 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 no. This is before the conversation. We oh, had that okay. on the way home. Okay. <laughs> after I'm trying to have a moment with my son. So there's a there's a, a pizza joint uh, right by the church. And so, um, and I was hungry. I hadn't had dinner yet. So I'm like, all right, you know, I'll go have a pizza and a beer. And uh, actually not that bad a pizza. I think I got a new Wednesday night hangout. <laughs> I'm like, That's good. I'm like, dude, I'm going to be having a, a a couple of those beers and uh, one of those personal pizzas. I, I think I got a perfect little, uh, you know, drop off. And so that was my joke to Justin, the pastor of my church. I'm like, so now that we drop off the kids, do we all head to the bar? What do we do? <laughs> he, he thought it was funny, but it was definitely one of those things where it was like, don't say it too loud, Pete. Too many people around here. Yeah, most things your pastor probably says to you are, are said in that tone, Pete. <laughs> the best is when I go to pick up Luke, right? And so all the parents are like waiting in the hall, and and so I see him. So I go over, and he goes, "What'd you do?" And I go, "I went to the bar." And he starts like laughing. <laughs> so, so, um, so anyway, I, I'm sitting there at the bar, and I'm the I'm the opposite of everyone else at the bar. I guess there's some big sports stuff going on this week. I don't I don't really follow any of that. So I wasn't paying attention to any of the uh, the games, but I had my iPhone with me. So I was like, all right, you know, and I'm going to, uh, my phone literally, it just started automatically downloading, um, reaching the unreached. It's a, uh, it's a smaller book by uh, a little known author. I can't remember the guy's name. Let me see if I can find it here. Uh, Jones. Jones, Peyton mm. Jones. is Like the, Indiana uh, Jones. Like Indiana Jones, only not so much. I read Peyton Jones more than I read Francis Chan. <laughs> so <laughs> I um so I, I cracked it open to chapter two and I just started reading it. And um it was like it was all about the Holy Spirit. And I got I got into that chapter like right at the very beginning, man. It was like you you had me hooked. And I was like highlighting all kinds of stuff. And, and the line I think I used to you is I was like, man, it wrecked me because I was just, you know, sitting there reading about, um, the Holy Spirit and how, like one of the, one of the things that we brought this up on yesterday's call. I'm going to see if I can find it here is a quote from, uh, R.A. Tory. Um, we think that if a man is pious and has a, and has had college and a seminary education and comes out of it reasonably orthodox, he is now ready for our hands to be laid upon him and to be ordained to preach the gospel. But Jesus Christ said, no, there is another preparation that a man must not undertake this work until he has received it. And, of course, referring to the Holy Spirit. So that's what the whole chapter is about, is uh, the Holy Spirit. And, I mean, for me, it was just like bomb after bomb, because I was like, dude, man, he's it's totally right. Like, um, I think it was uh, one of the the Tozer quotes that you had. Um, oh yeah, here it is. A.W. Tozer said, I want the presence of God himself, or I don't want anything at all to do with religion. I want all that God, God has, or I don't want any. And just talking about how, uh, how our strive needs to be that, that we are filled with the Holy spirit. It's not so much about the doing. And I mean, cause you bring up, Hey, you know, we, we've turned church into a, a big show and we're watching the other guy's gift not realizing that everyone in there who's a Christian has a gift mm. and needs to be out there using it. And uh, it just, it, man, I'm telling you, man, it, it wrecked me when I was reading that chapter. In fact, I don't even think I'm finished the chapter because I ran out of beer money and then I had to go pick up my son. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
You're like, I pretty much need a beer to get through every one of those chapters. I, I was uh, two beers, you too, two beers. That's it, all I'm saying. It's, it's a two beer chapter. It's a two beer chapter. Yeah. yeah. It, it, you know, people, people will say like, I just took a punching or a beating. And, and I don't think they mean it in a bad way. Like it's not a book that's going to beat you up, but it is a book that's going to make you feel like I don't have the goods. And that is, that is, it's an unpopular message in one sense, but. It's a necessary message The the men that God has used the most would agree that we don't have everything we need, that we must await the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. I mean, Acts tells you that. And of course, what we do is clever. We say, oh, well, that was a one time thing. Well, no, when you study the book of Acts, you see the spirit constantly like in Acts chapter four, when they pray for boldness. It says that the building shook, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they went out preaching with great boldness. So Walter Martin used to call that the baptism of boldness, and that that there's these constant fillings and empowerings and energizings of the Holy Spirit that happen uh, to empower them to become witnesses, and that was... What Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And and what we've done is we've tried to explain that away. Because when you don't have something, um, rather than doing the hard work of getting on your face before God and crying out for it, we say, oh, well, we don't need it. you know, Or it's not for today. And church history is filled with accounts of revival or men and women who experienced it and said, why wasn't I told about this? Mm. And, and it, it's, it's, it's the one thing Luke wants, you know, is the power of the Holy spirit is necessary to do. Jesus is like, I'm the vine, you're the branches apart from me. You can do nothing. And well, I would say that a lot of what we see in church today, the silver bullets, um, you know, the latest conference is, you know, us trying to rush out because the Philistines are upon us, but our hair's cut off and we have no power. You, you know, know, one, not, one of not. the things that that really <clears throat> caught my attention a couple of years back when I was uh, reading Acts. To me, it, <clears throat> it's kind of amazing that that's the litmus test that they're always using in the book of Acts. Do yeah. they have the Holy Spirit or not? Yep. And if they have the Holy Spirit, they're like, oh, they got the Holy Spirit. So this must be cool. You yep. know, God must be all right with these guys. You know, let's make sure that they're trained up and they understand the, the proper theology, but God's with them. And, right. and even, you know, uh, oh, the train. By the way, he really hated you right then. That was loud, even on our end. He's not bad. He's not bad. There was one yesterday that was really bad. It, it brought out the worst part of me. I'm sure it did. <laughs> And but like there's a there's another scene in Acts at the the very beginning where they're like, you know, what is this Holy Spirit? We've never heard of this Holy Spirit. What is it? You know, I mean, it's like the Holy Spirit is the key thing. And and I just I kind of look at that and I look at that also in in regards to you know R. A. Tory's quote of you know we think that if you've got the education, you got the book smarts, you're ready for us to lay hands on you and send you out. And really the litmus test is, is the Holy Spirit with this person? Right. And, um, like, here's a, here's a quote 
at the beginning of Chapter 2. This is Reaching the Unreached, Becoming Raiders of the Lost Art by Peyton Jones, available at uh, Amazon.com and wherever finer books are sold, published by Zondervan. Over 100 years ago, William Booth, founder of the Frontline Ministry, the Salvation Army, warned that the chief danger confronting the church at the turn of the century would be religion without the Holy Ghost. And man, oh man, is that not what you see in church today? Mm. It's a big show. It's all about yeah. the big show and what programs do you have? And not that those things are bad by themselves, but when we are replacing the Holy Spirit with the little razzle dazzle, that's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem. You got like elaborate stage sets now, elaborate light shows that any theater would, you know, any Broadway theater would, would be envious. When of. you're painting the, the roof of your church black, so that way you can put all the lights up and it's like yeah. a real theater. I'm not saying that's a bad thing because I know that stuff is good. I mean, it certainly helps, but what is the focus? I mean, I, yeah. and, and not, and I'm not trying to come down. Like if you are a pastor of a church that has this stuff, I'm not saying your church is bad. I'm just calling into question because I know a lot of churches are trying to do church without the Holy Spirit. Well, it's that's it. It it's like how we talk about marketing. You and I both appreciate marketing. And I bring this up in the in the book that hey, you know, um marketing is actually that's where you were first mentioned in the book and it got taken out. I actually say my partner's a marketer, but you know, maybe that sounded like I wasn't married and living with someone. I don't know. But, you know, the the deal is... Yeah, you is can't that, use the term partner anymore. No, you can't. My business actually, partner. You always got to classify it. My business partner. <laughs> so anyways, you know, the, 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 bottom, the bottom end of what I was saying was that um, I say in the book that marketing's fine as long as it doesn't become a replacement for evangelism. And it's the same with the Sunday morning deal with all the lights and the theatrics and the choreography. And that's what it is often. Um, it, but it can become a replacement. You can build hype and the hype of, you know, and I mentioned this that, you know, it's like approaching Oz the great and powerful that, you know, in, in the wizard of Oz, I actually quote, I use this quote that, um, you know, there's a little man behind the curtain pulling all these gears and levers to give this appearance at Oz, the great and powerful is in the house. And Sunday morning sometimes can feel that way to me. Like I know when the presence of God, like it's, it's what I call the felt presence, which like, you know, I come from a reform background in, in the, the reformers, um, or excuse me, the reformed uh, particularly in the 1700s during, uh, Whitfield's ministry, even Wesley's, um, the, the, during the 1800s, Spurgeon, um, Robert Rury Machine, these guys would talk about the felt presence of God and that it was experiential, that you, you would experience it. What I feel we do sometimes is try to whip it up, right? With a fury, you know, with a, uh, 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 you know, more, more lights, more noise, you know, faster beat. And then everybody gets kind of, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, we, it's like an emotional stirring up rather than be still and know I'm a God, you know, like if, and, and I say that maybe we're afraid of the silence. Maybe we're afraid because the silence will tell us or betray the fact that maybe God's not speaking right now. And we, we don't want that. Mm. We want to, to fake it till we make it. 
on a spiritual level. Um, and, and, and it's so simple. Like what Jesus gave us, there's a beauty and simplicity where he says, just pray together. Like just sit at the table together and break bread in honor of my body and blood. And I think people are missing that. I think, you know, there's a lot of people they are saying, just give me down to earth spirituality. Like I'm here not to be whipped into a frenzy that's going to leave me when I walk out the door. I'm here to connect with God in a deeper way. I, I feel a lot of what we're doing is superficial. You know, people start at zero. We whipping them up to this, trying to get them up to the speed. And then we try to get them to chuckle a bit during a, a, a talk. I don't even know if a lot of it is preaching. And then we go, goodbye, see you next week. And don't forget to join these things and give your money. And um, it just, yeah. I, I'm probably saying too much, but the reality is the music and all that. Hey, I don't care about the style as long as it's not a replacement. You know, I, I always have in my mind the idea that Spurgeon, as big as his thing was, as much as people were into his preaching, Spurgeon took that one visitor downstairs and pointed to the group of 200 to 250 people praying and said, this is the engine of this church. And by the way, Charles Spurgeon refused to have a pipe organ. That was kind of like the equivalent of the worship band of his day. And he just felt, no, I'm going to resist. And I'm not for resisting modern implementation of any. I'm not. But I think Spurgeon kind of understood even way back then that it's really not about the instruments. Well, Spurgeon also had a mean kazoo. He did. And, and what people don't know is his pipe could play music as well as blow bubbles, which he nice. frequently enjoyed. Nice. <laughs> Just teasing. <laughs> and there goes the show right down the tubes. <laughs> yes, this is how urban legends get started. So come here, Spurgeon preach and play an amazing hymn on his bubble blowing pipe. So here, here was one of the things that, uh, that I highlighted that, that I really liked. Uh, Tori locked himself in a room for three days, determined not to come out until he'd wrestled with the angel and received the blessing of God, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And then a little bit later, this wasn't a spectator sport, but a participatory, participatory one. And I mean, you know, you're, you're talking there about, uh, spreading of the gospel, really. Uh, and the, the thing that kind of just got to me about all of this is, you know, something that I shared on yesterday's call that I thought it was kind of funny. Cause you were like, really? <laughs> <laughs> Cause, uh, I started, uh, I, so I got a meeting this next week to, to meet with a, a prison ministry, um, to see about, you know, joining the, uh, the local prison ministry and stuff like that. And that's really been brought on because of, uh, my relationship with, uh, my buddy who we talked about on the podcast a couple of weeks back, who's in jail. And, and um and hearing some of his stories of what it's like going to some of the christian uh meetings in jail and let's just say i i was like okay well then maybe i need to start getting involved cuz I, I i'm a little bit bothered by some of the things that they're saying and um and a lot of times we just kind of uh we look down on prison ministry in fact i remember reading one time uh, a book or something like that where where they were like 
you know, a lot of churches, you know, they hire a new pastor. Maybe he's a little bit green, needs to kind of get a little bit better. And they're like, hey, you know, let's just send him down to the local prison. He can go preach right. down there because he can't really screw it up. Right. Okay. You have in that, that mindset, you have devalued the souls at that prison because that mindset is they're not as valuable as those of us who are out here. You know, they're, they're in jail because they're not as good a people. Right. That's, that is a horrible, horrible mindset to have. Right. And I don't realize people are having that mindset. Right. So, so I was like, you know what? I, I think maybe I'll, you know, take a stab at it. I don't know what'll happen. I don't know if I'll get approved because they got to go through all kinds of checks and stuff like that. And who knows? They might go, Pete, you're not saved. I don't know what they'll think. We've listened to your podcast, Pete. You're not coming in. <laughs> but, um, but the thought just hit me. I was like, you know what, dude, man, unless, unless uh, I have this, you know, the Holy Spirit backing, I don't know yeah. that this is the right thing for me to be doing. Yeah. You'll, you'll need that. And, and, you know, especially, and you'll feel it in the prison ministry. You'll feel it where I really need help to do this. You know, for me, I, you know, I started preaching in front of my church. I started preaching when I was 15 and I really learned to depend more out of panic on God and to pray my guts out. I had an amazing mentor in my youth pastor who um, just, you know, really always was pointing me back to the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Um, it's what he lived. And a lot of the dependence on God came out of my own insecurity. But I learned over the years, like when, when I planted that church out of the Starbucks, when it was obvious it was becoming a church plant, I scheduled a retreat with my with my team and my core team and I talk about it later in the book that um God really called me out that's like something. that's like 14 beers from where I'm at right now oh yeah I know totally totally in fact I'm trying to think it's the chapter on um it's really about it's it's a chapter on being filled with the Holy Spirit it's very practical like how do I get filled with the Holy Spirit how do I like I didn't want to like set this up and then say, you know, because it is a command, be filled with the Spirit. Well, how? Like, how do I do that? Well, they knew that because that was such a part of the the life of the the early church. But today it's not. Mm. So I, I kind of spell out like, look, this is, and I, I, I present it biblically, but it's really a, hey, these are the things. And this is hard. It's the hard work you have to do. You have to prepare your heart. You have to, um, you know, and on and on. But anyways, on that chapter, I mentioned about this retreat. Well, why do we go on this retreat? We went on this retreat specifically to seek God. I mean, some of us were fasting, um, but I mean, we were literally like spreading ourselves out in prayer and worship. And imagine like those of you that are planning a church, if you're not doing that with your team, and maybe this needs to be a whole podcast. Maybe next week we talk about. Can we do a series? Can we do a series? <laughs> No, but maybe next week we could talk about doing a retreat because if you're not going to get away with your team, like Jesus got away with his disciples, like you're insane. I'm just going to say you are absolutely nuts mm. if you're going to try to plan a church and not get on your faces together as a team and seek God's face. Like it just reemphasizes how far away from acts we've actually gotten. Mm. Hmm. So if you were to go on a retreat, um, 
do you have like someone help you out with all the bookkeeping stuff so that way you got the free time to be able to go on the retreat? Absolutely, man. I mean, you know, if I'm going to do something like that, man, I'm I'm going to get in touch with simplifychurch.com because simplifychurch.com is going to help me with my bookkeeping needs, my IRS compliancy, and uh, do any of your donor receipts, body blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I hope no potential sponsor ever hears that commercial. <laughs> Luckily for you, no one sticks around until the end of the show. This is why we pre-record most of our commercials. That's <laughs> why we started, because every week, you know, oh well, my we've gosh. done two this week. So that's the second time I've given that ad this week. Because, well, you know, we record on Tuesday, right? And then yeah. today's Friday, so. Yeah. Uh, but. It is what it is. So in other words, get in touch with simplifiedchurch.com. There you go. And uh, especially if you're going on a retreat or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what Pete was trying to say. Wow. Okay. Um, Because I know you got to go. So why don't you go ahead then and close this out? (laughs) Okay. Um, All right. Well, hey, you've been listening to the Church Weather Podcast. Reminding you, if you want to reach ones, no one's reaching. You need to go where nobody's going. Hopefully, do your commercials better than I did. And uh, that's it. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> Game over, man. Game over. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music